This is Business Impact, a podcast series from UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. I'm your host, Emmett Oliver, and each episode, I'll be joined by world-renowned faculty from across the College of Business, as well as international industry leaders who will offer us insight, spark curiosity, and challenge you to rethink how you do business in a changing world. Welcome to another edition of Business Impact and we have a wonderful guest today and we are going to cover a very interesting area that sometimes is not reflected upon more generally. It's about the real world problem solving and making better decisions. As you know, our political leaders are confronted by big, big, big looming political decisions all the time. So are people in business, so are people in daily life and just civic life. There's big societal decisions made all the time. Sometimes we make them on kind of on a gut level. Other times we make them because of a bias. Sometimes we make them because they're the same decisions that we made 20 years ago and whatever worked then is probably going to work again is our thinking and we tend to go back to tried and trusted methods of decision making. You're very welcome along to the podcast as we ease ourselves out of January and into February. It's been a tough month, I think, weather-wise, but not as bad as anyone thought. A few months ago, we were talking about power shortages. Guess what? There haven't been any. So some of our guests on Business Impact of a few weeks ago got it right. They were a little bit more uh, questioning of whether there'd actually be power cuts or not, but a touch wood, if I have some wood near me here, here we go. Uh, We are making it through and easing ourselves into the spring. So life is looking a bit better than it did a few months ago from a societal point of view. Now, my next guest is going to be making a little bit of podcast history with us, at least. She is the first ever Neapolitan we've had on this podcast and her name is Annunziata Esposito, and she is an assistant professor in management information systems here at the Quinn Business School. You're very welcome along to the podcast, Annunziata. Thanks, Emmett. Thanks for having me today. As I said, we've never had anyone from Naples on. We have had other Italians all, all right, but not anyone from Naples. So you're very welcome along. I know you've been in Ireland a few years and doing some very much leading edge research and teaching here at the Quinn Business School. Uh, how, first of all, is your how is life going for you in Ireland as, as one of our more new recent residents? You managed to, to get a job during COVID and the pandemic. So, Oh, yeah, uh, I started just in October 2019. So just before everything happened. And uh, then, you know, in March, we know um, what happened for everybody. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been nice uh, settling in and especially, you know, um, after uh, the big, big uh, COVID wave, I, was, I got more chance, let's say, to explore uh, Ireland and the surroundings of Dublin. So I look forward to uh, doing more of that, let's say, in the next few months. It was frustrating. You probably got over here. OK, let's get out and about and do a bit of exploration. Let's meet a few people. Oh, OK. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, you know? A bit of a stop. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now things uh, likely are resuming. Uh, so that, that, that's nice. Yeah, well, listen, you're very welcome along. And we wanted to have you come and talk to us today because you, you happen to be in a very interesting area. Not that all our other guests aren't in interesting areas, but even more interesting, which is the whole area of operations research, which is, is a... Let me, you're going to explain it a bit better than I can, but at a very simple level, it's about making better decisions and applying mathematical techniques and models essentially to real world problems. So this isn't ivory tower mathematics based on formulas and abstract reasoning. This is about talking and looking at real problems on this earth, in society and in communities and applying those mathematical techniques to solving those problems. So, so it has a, I suppose it has a bit of a mission to it. It has a bit of a purpose. But um, first of all, just tell us a little bit about operations research from your perspective. 
what got you interested in this whole area? What is it about it that keeps you coming back for more? Because you've been doing it for a good few years now. Just tell us a little bit about the whole area in the first place. Oh, yes. So, um, Emmett, later you started with a very nice summary. So um, for our guest uh, who didn't hear the term operations research or operational research before, sometimes uh, it's also called management science. And uh, as you said, is the branch of mathematics, let's say of applied uh, mathematics that helps in uh, decision making. Now, um, the main idea is that you start from a real world problem and this problem may be uh, generated from different application fields. So you may think it from a business perspective, from a health perspective, even a policy making perspective. The main idea is to try and be able to map the real world problem so as to transform it into a mathematical model. Now, the way in which the mathematical model is built looks at different features of the original real-world problem. So, first of all, the problem may have a certain target or a certain objective to to hit. Um, So, if we want to consider it from a business uh, perspective, if we think about a uh, carriers, we think about the deliveries, you know, we're so used, especially also happened during COVID, about the home delivery. Sometimes companies want to minimize the cost that this delivery entail uh, for them or from an environmental perspective, um, you would like to minimize the carbon emissions that are associated to the vehicles that belong to the fleet. So that could be an objective to be mapped into a mathematical format. And then associated to that, you may have what we call in the context constraints, but actually they are limitations. Okay, You may look at a limit as a synonym for constraint. And in this case of the fleet, it may be the time windows in which the customers uh, may be reached, you know, during the deliveries. And uh, obviously there are some other elements, we call them uh, parameters. They may be the coefficients, so that unit cost or that measure of the carbon emission to be associated into the function. So when everything comes together, then you have this mathematical model that translates uh, the original problem. And then, Annunziata, can anything be made into a model or is is there any problem, like is it difficult to, to kind of translate certain real world issues into models or, are they, are, or can they all be done in some form? Yeah, no, actually, it seems so easy <laughs> in the way probably I I, um, I I said it. But no, actually, there are several difficulties in the sense that uh, depending on the problem, you may have uh, several features that may be very difficult to translate into a mathematical term. So uh, if you think about trying to um, include behavior, there are some models that obviously allow to uh, mimic behavior, but to a certain extent. So uh, obviously models are becoming more and more uh, complex um, to try and include all the different features, but still there is work to do in order to make the model as realistic as possible to map the original problem. So yes, it can be done to a certain extent and in some cases better than the others. I remember um, when we saw this really played out in in the COVID-19 pandemic where People had various models about, you know, how much the disease would spread or how much people were likely to get infected, etc. And I always remember there was someone on television who was doing a model one night saying, we've set up the model. The bit we don't know is what people will actually do. (laughs) So in other other words, we don't know how many people will go out tomorrow. We don't know how many people will meet their family. We don't know how many people will go to a restaurant or bar. We, We can guess to admit, we can sort of predict a certain amount of it based on previous models and experience, but we ultimately don't know till it actually happens. So that human piece is, is the difficult, isn't it? It's, it's kind of the, that's the unpredictable variable, isn't it? Yes, it is. In fact, um, let's say when everything is kind of clear 
we call it a deterministic model, but uh, there is a whole range of the literature that actually uh, has been producing models that we call stochastic. So they try to incorporate to a certain extent the uncertainty that may be associated to some of the aspects, you know, to try and be a bit more flexible, but also um, try uh, to be more robust to different types of uh, circumstances. Now, in terms of your own work, what what makes you so energized about this modeling and this operationals research? I mean, you can hear it in your voice. You're very enthusiastic about it. What What is it that makes you passionate about it or, or what is the, the potential of this whole area, what it can do? Well, uh, first of all, let's say, as you've been saying, uh, Emmett, uh, I've been in uh, OR for a bit. I'm quite of a early career uh, researcher, but I've met operational research my very first time during my bachelor's degree in management engineering back, uh, back in Naples. So I was very fascinated by uh, the different topics that were covered over the module. Then when I moved on to my master's, I was uh, happy to, let's say, um, progress into a um, into work on that and then eventually uh, moved to the UK to pursue a, a PhD in management science. So um, let's say the curiosity sparked uh, um, based on the topics, but most importantly, by reading and reading obviously many, many papers, uh, I was so surprised and happy about the fact that operational research is interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary and at the same time can be applied to so many research fields. So this is something that really made me think, okay, you know, you can find a little, a tiny bit of operational research in every aspect, starting from really everyday life. If you think even about, you know, just going out for food shopping, there are little things that you may think of in terms of, uh, you know, how much money you have to spend on your food or uh, what's, you know, the maximum amount of weight that you can carry up to for way more difficult problems, even those that you mentioned before relating to COVID. There are plenty of applications of operational research for the healthcare system, for example. You couldn't solve the problems in our healthcare system, could you? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm not the expert of no, our for healthcare, but no. yeah. <laughs> That's a good. Uh, that's a good application sector, really. So you're saying something as simple as going to the shops, the weight of what the, the capacity of the bag that you have on your back, how many goods you can buy, the budget you have. These are, are kind of the variables that coexist, and and you can plot them out and how they interact and and all the rest of it. Um, is there is there particular ones in business that you think at the moment in in 2023, Nunziata that are going to be very popular? Do you think there's particular business challenges or economic challenges that you see? operational research being uh, relevant to? Well, you can see that, especially with being far way more conscious about what is happening to climate, what is happening to the environment. Um, there has been a, a big uh, increase in attention uh, to all those matters that are related to uh, uh, getting, you know, um, fleets of vehicles, for example, more environmentally friendly, or at the same time, um, evaluate problems that are related to energy or to the grids. And if we think especially in terms of transportation, uh, we are now, you know, into that area where lots of people are buying, thinking of buying or have already purchased, for example, an hybrid car, or they're looking into an electric car. And obviously, there is all that um, um, sets of problems related to the charging stations, for example, and uh, the best way, you know, to address the routes. So I think that problems within that space, within that area, so transportation, which is a very old problem, uh, but uh, with this shift in terms of uh, climate attention may be very topical at this very moment in time. Yes. Now, you, you have gone into a particular area yourself, which is disaster management, and that's where you've been looking at that interaction between these operational research 
techniques and, and disciplines and you, you've looked at how they can be applied. That's your kind of core research area at the moment, although it's always evolving like any researcher, but you, you've put a lot of effort into that area. And I suppose disasters are they're big, large, intractable problems and they test the ability of communities, governments, nations to, I suppose, protect populations and their infrastructure. We all think of the tsunami back in, I think it was 2004, yes, the Indian Ocean uh, affected a number of countries and a, a big casualty count and a death rate, unfortunately, from that event. So you've been looking at this, what might seem on the surface a little bit grim <laughs> as territory for research, but you found it kind of a fruitful area to look at, which is, is the whole area of disaster management. Tell us a little bit about why you kind of chose to look into that space and, you know, how, how's, how's it been going for you that, as a research area and terrain? Well, yes, I decided to um, explore in detail how um, specific tools of operational research can help uh, within the disaster management. Now, as you were saying, uh, first of all, the most important thing is to understand what a disaster is. And um, from a very big perspective, you can think about it of something uh, very dangerous, a catastrophic event that, you know, can affect uh, a community in a very bad state. And then um, lots of actions are required for this community, you know, to recover uh, from that. Now, disaster, usually, you know, you think about natural base. You just mentioned the tsunami. That's one of the examples. You may think about floods. You may think about droughts and uh, also potentially man-made disasters. Uh, but, you know, there are different scale of disaster. You may think about disaster in such a large scale, but you may think of a disaster also in terms of a disruption that may happen to a system. So I would say there is a different range. Uh, I've been looking mostly at the large scale uh, disasters in terms of my uh, modeling um, I'm very, let's say, curious about this sector because, yes, as you said, maybe thinking about the concept of disasters that, oh, wow, um, this doesn't look very happy, happy area. But uh, uh, somebody has to think about it, you know, in the sense that uh, if something happens, then uh, such negative, you know, um, then it's important, I think, to try and learn the best lessons, the best practices to recover from that. So as to be ready for something that uh, unfortunately may happen, may be similar, but, you know, you have builds a better knowledge and you are better prepared in order to face that. Now, operational research, you know, we're talking about real world business problems are important, though they are, you know, the disaster management side, we are talking about populations that you could be measuring in, in the hundreds of thousands, you could be measuring them in millions, and the possible effect, if it's climate change, we could be measuring in the billions. So these are uh, big events that are globally spanning so what, what kind of research have you been doing or, or how have you been applying the operational research into kind of disaster management? I just maybe I'll not ask you to give an overview of all your work, but maybe if you could pick out a few examples of, of things you've been discovering. Oh, yes. So um, let's say one of my uh, main uh, applications uh, and studies, let's say, has been related to evacuation planning. So um, we may all be familiar, let's say, with the concept of, of evacuation. Obviously, it's the idea of people leaving their original uh, places and then move potentially out of the of the danger. But where do these people move uh, towards? So usually we call it shelter and a shelter is a, a safe place. Now, a safe place uh, can be a previously established buildings. You may think about churches, you may think about schools that have been devoted, you know, to that uh, certain um, function under emergency or even open spaces. Now, associated to that, you have the choice of what's the best uh, shelter that needs to be uh, equipped in case people need to evacuate. 
and together with that, uh, what is the best way for people to reach the shelter, usually the least amount of time. There also could be different types of evacuation, preemptive or, you know, on the spot, depending on the order that, that is given. But let's say shelter location, so where to open the, the safe places and how to get there, the evacuation routing piece are the main points. Uh, the point related to evacuation mostly is that if you think about it, um, the first thing that comes to your mind is people that are autonomously able to drive their own cars. But you may also need uh, additional types of evacuations, you know, for people who uh, have not the possibility to move or require somebody, you know, to uh, allow them to evacuate. So you may need uh, supportive vehicles like uh, buses or things like that. Or eventually, depending on the disaster, you may not have the road network that is affected, but you may also need a boat-based transportation, air-based transportation. So let's say the space for research uh, is quite wide. So I think that uh, researchers uh, can find um, a very nice uh, space to operate to try and give their, uh, their contribution there. So let's say this is what I've been looking at in the recent years, uh, how to try and model the issue related to shelter location and combine it together with the different types of, uh, of evacuation. That's one example. Now, listen, you're listening to the voice of Anunziata Esposito. She is an assistant professor in management information systems here at the UCD Business School. Anunziata, the other thing I, sh I should ask you is, obviously, some of these problems that operational research looks at would have been looked at by some previous people from different fields. Are some of these problems, I mean, some of them last for hundreds of years, or some of them are, are things that have been... I suppose, frustrating the human race for, for thousands of years. Does, does the operational research build on previous work or does it come in and look at the problem completely anew and say, right, we're starting from here at year zero? Or does it say, look, this was tried before and build on that body of work that others have done? Or, or how does that work? Oh, yeah, no. So obviously literature and previous literature is a very important uh, bulk of the work uh, as for the other disciplines, especially in disaster management, you may look... Uh, there have been several reviews, but the fact is that disaster management is such a wide aspect because you can look at it, for those who are not familiar with uh, with how it works, is that you can look at it as a cycle, as a set of four different phases, and you have um, the phases that uh, try to work towards before the disaster, we call them in literature, mitigation and preparedness, and those that occur after the disaster actually has been uh, presented, which are called response and recovery. So let's say tons of researchers have been trying to build models for operations that may um, uh, be developed depending on the disaster within each of these phases. So there have been different reviews and obviously uh, there are always uh, outlined some potential further research directions to try and improve and potentially, you know, uh, stimulate um, further colleagues to, to produce newer models and uh, further applications. So definitely, definitely reading in the literature and uh, building upon that is a massive piece, yeah. And in terms of the ultimate, I suppose, problem to be solved, um, obviously we're, we're dealing with, a, or have been dealing with a, a big healthcare crisis, a pandemic, but moving out of that, the, the one looming in and getting closer and closer, I suppose the urgency of it is, is climate change. I mean, do you see that as an area where operational research can have a real impact, that, that it can kind of uh, notch up some real gains in, in, in solving some parts of the climate change issue? Or, or, or is it just almost too big um, you, you know I, I get a sense that in your discipline you break off smaller problems or, or pieces of problems or, or is climate change an area where you, you see your discipline having a, some real success oh yes as you said obviously if you 
look at climate change on its own, then it's such a, a big and uh, and wide uh, field. But uh, if you try and narrow down a bit the scope, you may actually have uh, different real world problems that needs to be tackled and eventually different models that, you know, can shape that. Um, there could be the opportunity to build uh, a combined decision support system where the different models and eventually problems uh, get together, obviously. But uh, um, yeah, we cannot tackle it, let's say, all together on, uh, on its own. Um, I'm, I'm a bit biased from the disaster management perspective, but, you know, if you think about the climate change, you think about these very extreme weather events and uh, the consequences that they may have on communities and their economics and there have been researchers developing models to try and mitigate the effect of uh, these very extreme weather events uh, in order, you know, to help uh, the community. So that, that could be a first piece. And then uh, the other pieces we came back before is about, you know, like uh, electricity, uh, be careful about the usage of the infrastructure, uh, being, you know, aware of what happens onto the, onto the network. So, yes, I think there is a massive scope of operational research can certainly provide a great contribution also together with other disciplines. And do, does operational research recommend things to the, the, let me say, the practitioner world or the outside world beyond academe? Does it, does it actually make practical recommendations to civil society, to governments, to other bodies, or, or does it just sort of show the show that it works in, in an academic sense, that the theory makes sense and is proven in an academic sense? Or does it say, you know, society outside should do these three or four things if they want to improve society? I mean, how far do you take that outside the, the walls of academia? Well, that's the ultimate goal, I have to say, because as we said at the very beginning, operational research is a branch of applied mathematics to real world problems. So the idea of recommending uh, further decision steps to policymakers is definitely the ultimate scope. Now, in some cases that may be achieved in an easier, uh, in quotation marks, way. Uh, because stakeholders of the type, so stakeholders belonging to government, stakeholders belonging to the company, are those that actually, um, you know, build a sort of a network with the academics. And uh, in that case, you may have this preliminary input that is very important, you know, uh, exactly from the bodies that you were mentioning. And then eventually, once the model has been sold and uh, the first results get fed back to them. And then, you know, you have this very important cycle of feedback between the researchers and the uh, government bodies. Uh, in other cases, researchers start within, you know, their own application, their own idea, their own expertise, and then potentially they may try, you know, to try and contact stakeholders and see if they're interested in the work that they've been doing. But yes, definitely operational research aims at giving suggestions to decision making and decision makers. Great. It's, it's great to see those, those real world implications that come off the research. Not, not every field has that, uh, has that advantage, I suppose, or, or that kind of uh, potentiality. So that's brilliant. Now, I know for years what's bedeviled here in Ireland, but not only in Ireland, but across Europe and the Western world generally, is, is, is a certain imbalance in STEM subjects in terms of gender in particular, science, technology, engineering and maths, um, which is um, engineering and maths, I suppose, those two areas is where your own field comes out of. Um, are we getting anywhere in that area? I know you're involved in a few initiatives yourself um, in UCD and across the university networks that you're part of. Can you tell us a little bit about where we are on on the whole STEM, the, the kind of gender and diversity issues within STEM, which has been talked about for a long time, but it's always hard to get a sense of are we, are we moving forward or backward in these areas? 
Well, um, that's a great question, Emmett. Well, I think, as always, I think for everything, uh, we can always uh, do better. Okay, so I think things are improving, but uh, obviously uh, there is a, a way to go. Uh, in my area, in the sense of the discipline itself, I'm, um, let's say, very happy to be part of uh, a forum of what is the European Association of Operational Research Societies, and this forum is called WISDOM. It's an acronym that stands for uh, Women in Society Doing Operational Research and Management Science. Uh, I'm the secretary and another colleague within UCD. Uh, she's currently the chair, but the committee is composed of several um, members across all the different uh, European operational research societies. Uh, through uh, this uh, forum uh, that actually we started during the pandemic, it started really uh, at the early stages of uh, 2020, uh, we've been trying to look into uh, all the EDI matters that uh, are related to our discipline. And we've also been carrying uh, some research in order to try and uh, map, evaluate um, if, if there is a, any potential barrier, you know, to progress in our career or how does it work in terms of uh, um, career progression. So um, I think we are getting uh, more interested towards this topic, which is great because in the end we need to get uh, we need to understand through data uh, what is the current circumstances before trying and make any sort of recommendations. So I think there is some progress there. Still way to go, but uh, it's, a, it's a good start. Yeah, and I've been, I've been looking at the website. You've got a lot of people involved, so there's a lot of people putting their shoulder to the wheel. It's a very impressive uh, piece of networking and the way you've all interlinked. There's people uh, doing all sorts of activities in that wisdom group, so well done on that. It's a it's, uh, it's a very impressive set of different skills. You've even got people in public relations and everything. So it, it's it's very wide. So it'll be interesting to see how it progresses over the next few years. Um, finally, I just wanted to ask you about this whole idea of problem solving and kind of what stops us. What are the barriers to problem solving? I know I was slightly uh, jocular about the health service, <laughs> um, but, but there is a, a serious point there is what, what do you think are the main barriers, I suppose, are obstacles that make us make good decisions. Like obviously these wonderful models that people are producing in your field, sometimes, you know, they get taken up by the outside world, as you said, sometimes maybe they get ignored or put on the shelf or they're not implemented quite as fully as they're actually designed. But what, what do you think are the barriers to good decision making in a general sense? Is it just mental shortcuts? Is it biases? Is it lack of resources? Is it just doing the same old stuff again and again. Like, like in your research, you've covered so many different areas. Is it, what, what is it that stops us making better decisions? And I know that's a very broad question, but just even if you could frame it with inside your own research area, what, what are the things that you read and you sort of go, ah, there's the problem, there's the reason that that decision was taken and it was, it was kind of suboptimal or it didn't really achieve what it set out to do? Well, as you said, Emmett, this is a very nice question, uh, very complicated, but I'll try to give uh, my my best, uh, you know, uh, feeling about it. So, um, first of all, from a technical perspective, what we said at the beginning is that operational research takes this original real world problem and tries to map it as realistically as possible within mathematics. Once you have the model, then in order to provide a solution, which is then translated into a decision or recommendation, you need to solve it. Now, the way in which to solve it is a solution method or an algorithm. So uh, from an operational perspective, from a technological perspective, uh, one of the issues may be to try and solve the model. The model may be very complex or you need to develop a new algorithm or an ad hoc algorithm that may help you, you know, to solve the model that helps to uh, map that problem. So 
that could be a first um, technological. And that's why there are so many advances, both from a modeling and an algorithmic perspective. Obviously, also high performance computing is helping with that because there is a time, obviously, associated. Uh, we need to uh, code, we need to program, and obviously there is time associated to solve the type of uh, the type of problem. Then I think there is also sometimes potentially a communication barrier. So I think it's very important when uh, you use equations, you know, to try and translate them in uh, uh, reality, especially the results in the best way possible. Okay, so I think it's very important to engage uh, or try and engage stakeholders, you know, that are re relevant to the problem that we are trying to address with the results uh, in a way that is not, you know, uh, too difficult. Not everyone is expert in uh, mathematics and seeing all equations and things like that, you know, may not help into the best way to communicate uh, the results. We always need to keep in mind the audience uh, that, you know, we are communicating with. So I think probably these two could be two potential barriers. There could be more, but uh, this is what comes to my mind at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Sorry, that's a very broad question. I, I, I feel a little bit guilty throwing it at you, uh, certainly towards the end of the conversation, but I'm kind of interested in what are the things that kind of get in our way of solving these big societal challenges? And uh, maybe it is, as, as I was saying, maybe it's biases and, and repeating the past behaviours, but who knows? It's not my field at all. It is yours. And it's been a very interesting conversation. I personally think you should be parachuted into the health service from tomorrow morning onwards and have a go at modelling up some of the, the pinch points and some of the capacity issues that we seem to struggle to solve. I'm sure there's similar issues in Naples and in, uh, all throughout Italy as well. So we're not exclusively holding on to that area. But for the moment, thank you very much for talking to us. That is Dr. Annunziata Esposito. She is an assistant professor in management information systems here at the business school, talking about solving real world problems with mathematical techniques. I've really enjoyed the conversation, Annunziata. Thank you, Emmett. Thank you so much. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode of the UCD Business Impact Podcast, please subscribe to episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We cover a broad range of topics with insights from business leaders around the world, so there's sure to be something there for everyone. I'd like to thank our production team of Beth Gormley and Mike Liffey. They work tirelessly in the background, sourcing interviewees, editing, promoting episodes, and everything in between. I've been your host, Emmett Oliver, and we hope you can join us next time on UCD Business Impact. Music